Just a quick note here, you'll be hearing music from each of the people we interviewed along with our stories today. Be sure to check them out on our website, awallau.org, to find links to their work. The Hum. The Hum. The Hum. The Hum. Brought to you by AWOL. <laughs> a storytelling podcast. A storytelling podcast. A storytelling produced by AWOL. Produced by AWOL. Produced by AWOL. Welcome to The Hum, where we tune in to the background noise of our experience and amplify the sound of our lives. And we're college kids, so it's gonna get a little weird. For this episode, We'll be talking to students about the role that music has played in their lives and how it's been changed by the pandemic. For our first story, we'll be hearing from Grace Becker, who was interviewed by Jessica. Here's Jessica on how the interview went. Hi, I'm Jessica, and I talked to Grace, a singer-songwriter, about her journey from singing along to Barney, releasing her first single, and to becoming a business and entertainment major. So my name is Grace Becker. I'm a sophomore at AU. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and um, I'm a business and entertainment major here at AU. And um, I've really just been doing music my whole life. I'm a singer-songwriter, um, and I play guitar and piano. I feel like the first time I started really getting into music um, that I can remember, um, I was like probably maybe four years old. I'd be watching like Barney and the Wiggles and like all those like fun, like little musical shows. Um, and I'd just be singing those songs all the time. And I remember when I was like maybe four or five, my parents were always like, you know, you had such a good ear. Like you'd always go to the piano and I'd just basically play like Mary Had a Little Lamb completely by ear without even like any musical context and they would always tell me that when I was younger I'd basically like go up to like random people strangers like sitting at a restaurant and like to start singing to them so music has always just been like a very like a uh, big part of my life um I started writing it in like probably third grade it was like my first song that I really wrote um started writing and I just like kind of clicked for me like I feel like everyone has their escape um to their creative outlet or just to express themselves and for me that's always been music my dad who has constantly encouraged me to keep doing music even when I wanted to quit especially when I got towards the end of my junior senior year of high school where I was applying to colleges and I kind of had to come to a point of like is this something I want to do for a living or is this something that's just going to be a hobby and um I don't I think if it wasn't for my dad I probably would have like just done neuroscience or just would have done like something completely not music related at all could you talk a little bit more about when you were applying to colleges and kind of having to make that decision between music or not? There's always been something inside of me that just like knew I had to do music, like at least enter the music industry. Um, so I ended up coming to AU really having no idea um, about their business and entertainment program. And I came in as a neuroscience major, oddly enough. And um, as I started, as I was here, I kind of put my foot down to my parents and I was like, you know what, like I'm I just feel called to do music. I strongly believe that everything happens for a reason. And um, I ended up at AU for a reason. So, yeah. What do you do when you can't find inspiration, when you have your writer's block? 
So it just really depends on like what's being inspired. Because with my song No Redemption um, that I released last, oh God, my senior year of high school. And, and this is like kind of an example of like where inspiration strikes that I would not have gotten earlier is that I was in my stat class and um, my professor was like, oh, it's redemption day. Like you're able to turn in all your assignments and stuff like that. And at the time, like I just came out of a relationship and it wasn't the best. And um, I was like, wow, like no redemption. Like he's, I'm, he, you know, that he has no redemption. Like he can't come back. It just clicked. And I was like, that's going to be the name of the song. And so if I hadn't like waited that long period of time to kind of get there, then I probably would not have had the song that I had now. So there's beauty in waiting, but also it's hard to wait because you just you're like oh my gosh I should be cranking out songs like left and right and for some people that that's how they do it for me it's very much a very slow process what happened the day you released your first song how old were you and what was that day like for you yeah um I was a junior in high school so I think I was 16 or 17 yeah so I was that was a very exciting process the whole process of releasing my first single um was a was exciting a producer from Berkeley reached out to me was was like I I love working with new artists I work in artist development um I'd love to like fly you out to Toronto and record any songs that you're working on so I sent him wild which is a song me and my friend Rory who I also wrote with um at Berkeley I met him at Berkeley and um, we wrote a song called wild and I showed it to him he's like I love it let's record it so I flew out to Toronto and we recorded the song and it was like in a professional studio um very very cool experience like my dreams were like coming true at this point like wow like I've, ever since I was younger I wanted to be in a recording studio I wanted to record my own music like I wanted to release music like that's a big goal of mine that I really wanted to do that I was able to accomplish by my junior year of high school um and so when I released that finally released that song so much work and time went into it and by the time that I got to Toronto recorded it got the final masters back I was like wow like this is really happening just the fact that I was putting myself out there for me was just a huge monumental step and like achieving a goal that I've always wanted ever since I was young and if I could tell my younger self to just to keep going, I would, because there's a lot of times I really wanted to quit and, you know, do something that was like easier, more accepted by society. I grew up in a town that you, you, um, you know, you go to school, you graduate high school, you go to college, you get a degree and you go work a nine to five job. And that's just not what I want to do um, at all. <laughs> so um, I think being able just to like know that it's okay to want something different than the people around you and cherishing that and just keep pursuing what makes you happy because um that's something that's i found very hard to do but i'm doing it and i couldn't be happier our second story is from potter who is interviewed by grace v tayoni here's grace I'm Grace. I interviewed Potter about why he decided to study music and how his process of making music evolved during the pandemic. Here's Potter. My name is Potter Clark, um, he, him, his. I'm a junior at American University 
studying music and I mean I'm studying all kinds of music but I'm taking Irish fiddle I'm studying uh, composition I'm studying music theory um, all that good stuff <laughs> in fourth grade my dad decided to buy like a mandolin little instrument and he was like you know you're gonna learn how to play this and he basically just handed it to me and was like you know figure it out and then we can play music together and at first like I wasn't really into it until I sat down and I took the time and I was, you know, just like picking out scales and stuff. I started there and I loved it because I felt like the possibilities were endless. Um, yeah, that was the first time I ever touched an instrument. Looking back on it, I realized that music was always like the central thing in my mind and in my life. But like it took a while for me to recognize it I think because especially in high school I was preoccupied with other things um and then I got to school I came in as a poli-sci major I did it for just a little less than a year and I really didn't like it and I kind of got pulled into the music program and that's when I kind of started to everything kind of flooded together and I was like oh yeah like this is definitely this is definitely my thing Okay, and then I want to hear about how all of this has been affected by the pandemic. It, it was really hard. Um, so when, when we first got sent home, I had nothing but time. So I mean, I was writing music. Everything I did music-related was for myself and for my own enjoyment. And then school hit, and it hit really hard. And all of a sudden, I was having to do, you know, academic music and all of these assignments that I had, I hadn't had to think about since before we had got sent home. And that was, that was when it really became blurred because every time I sat down to like, oh, you know, I'm going to write something for violin or I'm going to play the piano and just see what happens. It turned into, oh, but like, I can't do that because I really should be practicing this for the violin or, oh, like I should really be working on this for piano. Um, and yeah, that, that was difficult. You're looking at the space that I was in for all of it. It's just this tiny little desk area. And, you know, I've got my piano here, laptop here, fiddle here. And I mean, this is school and my personal space all at the same time. The music class online, how is that working? The, the weirdest thing has been orchestra online uh, because... I mean, we've had to rethink how we how we make music together. And the strategy that seems to be working for us the best after kind of a trial run semester is, you know, a few people on each part record themselves together to like a metronome. And then everyone else listens to that recording to the metronome and records along with that. And then, uh, you know, the director will go in to Logic or GarageBand and literally line up all the tracks so they're exactly together. It's weird as a player, it's very strange because I'm playing and usually all I'm hearing is and that that's very weird. And the other thing is like, you're conscious of every single mistake you make because, you know, during a live rehearsal or a live performance, if you play a wrong note, it's gone. Like, you hit it, it's gone, whatever. You play it in a recording and it's there every time you play the recording back. I wondered if you could talk a little about a little bit about the Coster Grant. The Coster Foundation, I 
I believe it's a family that just like offers this grant to applicants through AU every year. So I applied for this because I had, I have all this music written for solo piano and solo violin and solo cello. And, you know, it's, it's not going to get performed because I can't perform it. And so I applied for this, for this funding to kind of give me a boost and help, you know, fund musicians to come in and play it and fund people to record it in a studio and then, you know, release it and kind of share this music with everyone. That's super exciting. Um, okay. And then I also wanted to ask, like, if you think that you've learned anything from how the pandemic has affected music for you, like, I know that's cheesy, but like, I'm sure I, it's been like, it's been rough, but like, I think there are lessons that we've all had to learn the hard way, (laughs) you know? And I was curious, like specifically to music, of course, like what that's looked like for you. In a weird way, it's forced me to really push my own boundaries Um, because coming into the pandemic, um, the classical music that's going to be featured on this upcoming album, um, is all, that's all I wrote. That's what I dedicated all of, you know, my composing time to. And over the course of the pandemic, I've gotten into, I've gotten familiarized with, uh, software like Logic. Um, and so I've started writing a lot more music in there. And I mean, the virtue of that is... You know, you've got endless sound libraries with endless sounds and, you know, I can get drums. I don't know how to play drums, but I can make the computer play drums and stuff like that. And so I've been kind of pushing the boundaries with, you know, the instrumentation and what I'm including in my compositions. And along with that has come with I'm pushing the boundaries for again for myself. And so I've gotten really excited about that. And I have so much to learn about it, but I've learned a lot about producing sound and kind of approaching music not as notes on a page but as sound in time and especially I'm thinking back to when I first started making Dreamer that is not how I intended that to come out but it was fantastic for like the end product (laughs) that that's I feel like that's the art making process summed up right there uh it's happy accidents as Bob Ross would say Next, Brayden spoke to Sophia. Here's his take on her story. Hey, this is Brayden, and I spoke with Sophia. She told me about how music shaped her friendships and communities throughout her life, and how that role is now changing, both during the pandemic and as she approaches graduating from college next year. Here's Sophia. My name is Sophia Solano. I'm a junior. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I play the Barry sax. I've always been part of a very like musically inclined family. Uh, my dad used to like buy and sell used instruments um, and like repair them. 
Um, and I kind of just like grew up in like a very like musical environment. And then so when I was in fifth grade, I think I joined like the school band. I started off on flute and then in sixth grade you were able to audition for a saxophone. So I kind of started with that and I just like really got into it um, right from the beginning. I do remember the first time that I played the saxophone. It was um, an audition in this like creaky attic because we didn't have a music room in my middle school. All the music stuff was just like shoved into the attic and it was like a hundred degrees in there. It was sweltering. I was really nervous, but like I picked up the saxophone and I auditioned and the bar was really low, right? Like I was one of the few people who was actually like able to make a sound out of it <laughs> on the first go. And yeah, I just like got really into it. And then by the time I was in middle school, there was like a pretty like well-established like band community. Um, yeah, that's how I met a lot of my friends in middle school and high school. Um, and then so when I got to college, I was like, this could be a new way to try to make friends and connect with people and like carrying like a piece of who I was in high school into college. Uh, music at AU is a little bit different. Um, we're not necessarily like known as a big music school, but still I met some really awesome people through the music program. Um, and since quarantine, uh, <laughs> well, for the first, from March to August of 2020, I didn't have access to an instrument at all. Um, and that was really challenging because like my quartet um, wasn't able to meet anymore. We did like meetings where we like talked about music, but we didn't actually play anything. Um, and so I was just kind of like floundering because I didn't have access to an instrument at all. Um, last semester, we probably spent half the like quartet rehearsals trying to figure out all this like software that would allow us to basically play in real time because Zoom has like a lag. And so it suddenly became like a coding class in addition to like a saxophone quartet. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's just like different when you're not in person. Like I think I realized how much I was doing it for the community once I started doing it online. Um, Cause I like, I really love the sax quartet. Like, like those are some of my really close friends and um, like not being able to do that together when it's like just the music on its own. It's not like making music with people that you care about. like. I think it really loses some meaning for me. My brother, if you're like interested in hearing about this, he's a tuba player, he's a senior in high school right now. And the pandemic has done something completely different for him, like in his relationship with music. He was actually excited in the beginning because he got to spend all of his time at home practicing. And he's like improved a ton in the last year. The other thing is that he uh, does, he's in high school and he's like taking classes from home so he does start playing the tuba at like 7.30 in the morning. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> Sometimes I just like wake up in a fit of rage and I'm like, this kid needs to shut up. But it's not, it's not his fault. And I know that like an hour after I wake up. But like when I do wake up, I do send him a mean text just about every morning. This is something that, that was a really big part of your identity and and then having it kind of taken away. Like, I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit about what that feels like in terms of stacking onto an already crappy situation, I guess. I think for a really long time, playing my instrument was my outlet, right? Like, it was the thing that I would do if I was, like, feeling down and disconnected um, for a long time at school uh, when I was, you know, still on campus. Um, and then so since the pandemic started, I remember in the beginning, there was those like couple months where everybody was just so bored all the time and I just kept thinking like wow I wish I had my instrument because like what am I even supposed to do right now so I like to think that I made light of a pretty bad situation um I like 
started playing the ukulele, which I just had lying around. Um, and eventually I just like bought a guitar and I've kind of been teaching myself. Um, so I was able to like kind of stay connected with music, but like, I still feel like that music being like a central part of my identity, like just isn't there anymore. Like it really, the pandemic really, really disrupted like my relationship with my instrument and like in some ways my relationship with like my past self and like my identity. And so it was always something that like I felt really connected me with like my past self and like who I was in high school and like the friends that I had, even the friends that I had at IU. Um, And then so like having that taken away was kind of a big challenge. I think that in some ways me moving away from music was inevitable, right? Like I'm not a music major, I'm not a music minor. I'm going into journalism and frankly there just isn't really a place for this like musical aspect of my life moving forward so it's kind of been like a challenge to like reconcile that um like i knew that it wasn't really going to like continue forever but i wasn't really ready for it to um to end like quite the way that it did because i've just been thinking my gut reaction is like i don't want to do quartet or anything in the fall because it's my last semester and i want to just like focus on my career um but I've been thinking like why do I feel like that um why is it something that needs to go why can't it be something that's like an additional part of my life if it's something that does make me happy and I guess like the point is now it I don't know if it does make me happy anymore it, at this point it's just like something that I've always done and on some level I'm like scared like who am I without this a part of growing up is figuring out like what your real passions are trying to understand yourself a little bit better. I think I've come to understand since the pandemic that like the real reason I was doing all this like wasn't necessarily for the music itself. It was for the people. Um, And on some level it was to stay connected with like who I was and like, you know, who I used to be. Do you have any like favorite stories, like anything that like really sticks out to you as like, oh, like that's like one of the funniest like memories that I have, or, like one of my favorite things, you know, from my life that I remember and it was in- involving music? Like I remember, <laughs> I remember in like seventh or eighth grade getting a concussion because I was kind of like kneeling on the ground trying to put my saxophone away and some other kid thought it would be fun to try to take a saxophone and throw it into the locker over my head so it came like crashing down on the back of my skull and I was like dizzy I was like almost passed out whatever and my band director literally like scooped me up I was like 12 and like carried me down to the nurse's office until my mom could come get me I remember being a sophomore and winning our like band our marching band like state championship I remember it was Halloween it was at Rutgers Stadium Um, it was probably 30 degrees out, you know, you're bundled up, like, in your uniform with, like, a hundred blankets around you, and all your friends, like, piled in, like, squished together on the bleachers, and then, like, you hear them call out your band's name, and, like, it's just such a good, like, payoff for all the work that you've put in for months and months, like, that moment, and moments like those, like, will always be really special to me. I guess, like, you really learn the value of, like, hard work, and it sounds, it sounds cheesy, but, like, you learn that you can accomplish things that you never thought you'd be able to. And I always thought that that was like a really special part of music, like achieving your goals. Um, I feel like I haven't really achieved a goal in a long time <laughs> because of COVID. Um, but I don't know. Yeah.
Our fourth story will focus on John. I interviewed John about his band Repercussion and the importance of music in his life. My name is John Piero. My major is psychology and my pronouns are he, him. So I play electric guitar. Um, I've been in a band for the last couple of years. I started sophomore year of high school. Um, primarily, we play heavy metal and hard rock. I started in eighth grade. I had a really cool guitar teacher and I just I fell in love with it. Yeah, my guitar teacher was awesome. Uh, he was like an older version of me. He had super long hair. Uh, there was one particular time where we we were wearing the same exact clothes, like same jeans, same blue shirt. It was so funny. Uh, but the first time I had a lesson with him, uh, he introduced himself. He was like this really cool, stereotypical guitar guy, long hair, kind of skinny, like 20, 28 years old. I got excited whenever I was able to get a chord right. And that feeling kind of built, built over time as I got better and better. So I just never wanted to stop being able to create something new and present it to others and do it through like a live performance where everyone's in a room you may or may not know everyone there but they're all there for the same reason and you sort of created a, a space and an opportunity for people to you know leave all of their worries behind and all of their stress and anxiety what, what they may be going through and you can all just be together in a room and unified by one thing that was created by uh, myself and others. So I just found that to be particularly amazing. I often found myself writing songs for my band, you know, without even being with them, because I feel like I'm still part of the band, even though we don't, we can't meet in person. So, you know, when I'm stressed, I write. When I have free time, I write. When I don't feel like practicing theory, I write music. So uh, I'm always having new ideas. And I think a lot of that comes from me being cooped up inside all day and not being able to have, you know, a normal social life. So it all kind of comes out through music. And whenever I write stuff, I send it to them. And this could be a cool song idea. I don't know. I used to hate heavy metal. I used to think it was loud and obnoxious. I couldn't understand any of the words. But uh, I think I got introduced to System of a Down when I was in eighth grade because I heard some guy play it at my showcase and I thought it was such a cool song because I was like this little eighth grader and I was like wow that song's so loud and it sounds so cool. Do you um, ever take inspiration from just stuff happening in your life or tell what's going on or is it more just that kind of stuff where something like pops into your head and you're like I want to explore this like word or topic? I usually let the music do a bunch of the thinking. I can't, I'm a guitarist, so I don't really have the opportunity to, to write about stuff that affects me. I think it just naturally comes out through what I play. I think a lot of it is really set by the mood that I'm just feeling and the concept that I want to follow. Um, but whatever I'm really feeling at that time is kind of what I play. So during solos, if I'm just, I'm really feeling myself and I'm feeling energetic and, and confident and happy, then I'll come out, I'll play really fast melodic riffs, um, I'll come up with different techniques and melodies. So I kind of let the music do most of the thinking for me. Is there any sort of relationship between like your musical and your academic life or do you sort of think of it as like two separate parts of yourself? I feel like my academic and my music life 
are somewhat similar because music is all about patterns, especially theory. And part of my playing with riffs and being able to solo is identifying patterns and, and different ways to apply them on the fretboard. So you can come up with the most efficient way to play the fastest riff or uh, a good way to modulate something so it doesn't sound boring over and over again. And I feel like when I, when I try and identify patterns, for example, like patterns of human behavior in psych, I feel like my more mus musical and creative thinking comes out. And it's definitely been influenced by countless hours and days of just songwriting and trying to find something that works, trying to find something unique. Music has always helped me think. It's always helped me succeed. And I think it's applicable in all areas of my life. Yeah. Uh, do you have like a favorite memory of playing music, whether it's like listening to a song, like for the first time that you really like, or like playing on your own or playing with your band? There was one song, it's called Reflection. And then we were rehearsing it after, you know, putting all these parts together. Everyone kind of just looked at each other when this part of the song happened and it was right in the beginning. And we could just tell like, that was it. That was, that was, by far what makes us special it was just being able to create this awesome sounding song we knew what we had was super unique um that was kind of the moment that that we realized we have something really special going and it's just such a cool song and from there everyone was so excited to go in and write the next day uh, we had massive writer's block i think we wrote that song the entire song um in like six hours because we had one more day to write one or two more songs so we had to just pump that shit out really quick and we ended up being like our best song i just really clearly remember that moment where we could all hear the harmonies and the melody and everything kind of just fit together and it shocked all of us it was just we looked around and then our our instructor was like jumping around and he was like flipping his shit and he was like this is the best thing i've ever heard so being able to play that live it's exactly like what you would expect it to be, if not better. Uh, it, it blew everyone away because everyone thought we were going to be this super screamy, raunchy basement type thrash metal band. But man, it was so cool. Um, the whole audience was, loved it. The energy was super high. Um, again, like our instructor, who was my guitar instructor for a little bit, but he's always been with our band because he kind of, he brought us together and he's been a part of a, our band for like a really long time, just giving us advice and oversight. So he's like the heart and soul of the band and to see him go nuts was super special. So the band to band interaction is always super cool because we're always the youngest people at the venue. Everyone else is like pro. They have, they're either on tour or they're renting out a van and going from place to place. And they have a lot of expertise and experience. So we always kind of, you know, meet them and we're dressed in our, our ripped jeans and our affliction shirts and they're in like baggy sweatpants and like um, tank tops. So it's cool to see that, that dynamic. And they just, they love us because we're, we're like, we always break their expectations of music wise because we have a really unique sound that no one really expects and we're super tight. And I like to think that we're really skilled. We practice a lot. We have a passion for it. 
we always get advice from the older band guys. Um, they tell us, you know, keep playing the, the dirty shit shows because most of the time there's, there'll be someone there who wants to sign artists or that's how you get experience. You can't always have these, these huge stages and famous bands. You know, you got to experience both ends of the spectrum if you want to be successful. So it's, that's really spoken to me. And as far as communicating with one another has been, you know, interband wise, it couldn't be better. I couldn't ask for any more. We've never really had problems. It's miraculous, really. We just write so well together. We have great chemistry, you know. I can't say the same for other bands out there who have, like, struggled and, and taken a really long time to, like, find the right group of people. So I consider us to be super lucky. Just don't give up. Chase your passion. That's about it. That's what's got me going through. last story, we'll be hearing from Caroline, who was interviewed by Bonnie. Here's Bonnie. Hi, my name is Bonnie, and I interviewed Caroline. Caroline is a sophomore at AU, majoring in music and public relations. She has been playing the violin for many years, and we discussed the large impact that music has had on her life. Here's Caroline now. My name is Caroline Cassio, and I am a sophomore class of 2023. My majors are public relations and strategic communications and music, and my uh, instrument is violin. My pronouns are she, her, hers. The first time I touched a violin was actually right after a piano lesson. Um, I was apparently working on a complicated piece for a five-year-old, and the violin teacher studio was right next door, and she came out and was like, I want you to try violin. I think that you have a lot of skill, and you'd be, like, musically good, like, for lessons, and, like, you'd understand how to play the violin. So my piano teacher was a little reluctant because she didn't want me to, like, switch instruments, but she's like, sure, whatever. So for 10 minutes... Um, I was holding the um, violin and I figured out how to make a sound, which was um, really good, I guess. Like, I know that it's hard to make a sound out of a violin, so 10 minutes is pretty good. <laughs> um, and I learned how to play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star with, like, the first time I held a violin. Music, I feel, has always been a part of my life. I remember on Sunday mornings, my dad and I would go to breakfast together, um, and he would take me to this record store that was near my house, and they had, like, books that I could, like, look at the picture books, but then they had these, like, giant headphones with, like, sample tracks from, like, different CDs that you could buy, and my dad would always have to hold them on my head because I was so small that the headphones didn't fit, um, and I remember we would always go, and sometimes he'd let us pick a new CD, to bring like in the car to listen to like on my drives to school with him because he'd always drive me to school in the morning 
And then as like I kept growing up, music stayed a part of my life through lessons and orchestra in school, as I said. Um, but starting in middle school, I did music therapy at Georgetown University Hospital, and I've been doing it ever since, um, where I play for patients in the cancer clinic as well as palliative patients. Um, so like bringing meaning and music to something that is normally not like a fun place to be has been something that has also shaped me. Um, as a musician. That is so cool. Can we talk a little bit more about that experience, like how often you went, what you did specifically, things like that? Uh, So I went with a quartet seventh and eighth grade playing Christmas music in like the main like atrium when you walk into the cancer center Um, and we went on a few patient floors. Um, But then I really started volunteering a ton of hours my sophomore year of high school. um, I did an internship like program with them where I was like a student that shadowed the artist in residence. So I would go to like the pre and post op wards with like the hammer dulcimer player or the cellist. And we would um, do a lot of like playing together as well like I there's a violinist in the program and he plays a lot of fiddle and fiddle isn't really my thing um but we found some duets that like we both could play um and it was a lot of just like shadowing um artists as well as playing myself um I don't really travel around the hospital myself too much because I don't have all the clearances that you need um But one of my favorite stories that I had with a one-on-one encounter was a woman who who was terminally ill and had been in the hospital for two years. Um, And I heard her listening to a violin concerto that I had been working on. Um, And I went over to her room and knocked on the door and asked, like, oh, what are you listening to? Just, like, make conversation. And she got teary eyed because she was talking, she saw I was holding a violin and she was talking about how she had season tickets to the Kennedy Center and she was no longer able to go with her husband to see shows. So she would like Google all these different like YouTube videos and things that she could watch while she was like um, in her hospital bed and when she didn't have visitors. Um, So I happened to have the music with me downstairs, so I went down to the office and got my music and played the concerto live for her, and she was like, she was crying happy tears the whole time. I know that like the impact that I made in her life on that day was like big enough to like put a smile on her face when she was struggling at the hospital. Um, So like it's experiences like those that I've had through volunteering that has helped me grow as a person and like told me that like music is definitely like a really powerful tool in like anyone's life. I say that my violin is like my third arm like I can't go anywhere without it so I definitely say that like music has will always be a part of me like no matter like how much I pursue it if I'm in an orchestra or if I'm a teacher um, or if I play in a chamber group, like I know that it will always follow me for the rest of my life, um, but I'm not sure in which way. Um, can you specify like what orchestra you're in and like what your chair is and everything like that, if it makes sense? Yeah, um, so I'm in the American University Symphony Orchestra um, and I'm the concert master. My job, I guess, is being an advocate for people in my section. Like when people don't understand something, I can either clarify it for them or I can ask the conductor and he'll help. 
I also help with choosing pieces that we play, and I lead sectionals. Music was my first community at AU, I'd say. And I always call it like one big happy family because like everyone is supportive of you and like if you're struggling on something or if you need critiques from someone other than your teacher, like you can like text any of your friends even if they don't play your instrument and they're like, yeah, I'll listen and give you critiques like from an outside perspective, which is really helpful. I think that music became more a part of my life um, during the beginning of the pandemic. So like I found myself composing a lot more um, and doing a lot of um, practicing. And I did a practice challenge last spring um, from the middle of March, like right when we went into like lockdown to about like June, early, mid-June. Um, and I challenged myself to do 400 hours in total. And I would post videos or pictures every single day of what I practiced that day um, or like some of them were videos of me being frustrated at me like not making progress on my pieces but like my family members and like friends on Facebook really enjoyed it it put peop a smile on people's faces during the dark time and like uncertainty of COVID I know that I'm gonna like savor every moment that I have with my friends in orchestra and like in chamber and everything because like not having that connection with the people in my like community of orchestra or chamber is not there now on Zoom and like I definitely miss like being able to connect with people through music. podcast created by AWOL. Our podcast director is Grace B. Tyone, and this episode was edited by Brayden Waddell. The rest of our amazing podcast team is made up of Bonnie Bishop, Brayden Waddell, Jessica Bates, and me. I'm your host for this episode, Helena Milburn. Keep an eye out for future episodes of The Hum and email us at awolpodcast at gmail.com if you have a story you think we should tell. Thanks for listening!